Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. You all here tonight, and um, I thank God for your, your heart to be in the house of the Lord. And it's so important uh, that we, we come into the house of the Lord to uh, worship Him and exalt Him, but also to hear uh, what He desires to speak into our life. And so, um, yeah. Good to have you here tonight. If you have your your uh, Bibles with you, uh, we're going to be going through a passage, and uh, we'll be looking at um, another individual that said, "Here I am," and uh, that's the last uh, number of weeks. And I, we missed last week because of the weather, but um, the last uh, three sessions that we had was about uh, individuals that said, here I am. And we, so we looked at a few um, from the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at, at uh, a man uh, who impacted someone uh, significantly just because he said, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And uh, there was a speaking into this man's life, and because of that response to the Lord and obedience to the Lord uh, impacted an individual that impacted, has impacted us 2,000 years later. So um, so tonight, part four, and I, I believe this is probably the last session, and I know I mentioned that last time, but it is the last as far as I know. Uh, so I've entitled it, Here I Am being a godly influence on others. And, um, or it could be, here I am preparing for success. Success in your own life or success in other people's lives. Uh, but definitely, uh, as was mentioned in the Thanksgivings earlier, um, regardless of our past, God has things for us to do that are significant. They are significant. To be an influence on others. Um, so important. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, so I'm going to be talking mainly about two people tonight. One of them is Paul. Uh, what was Paul's name before? It was Saul. Does anybody know what the name Saul, the, the, the meaning of Saul is, his name? Anybody? It's very interesting. I, I, I usually don't look at the meanings of names, but uh, uh, it's amazing that some of the, the names that are, are given and, and they're mentioned in the Bible, if you look at the meaning of their name, uh, it's interesting that how God uh, uses the name that they've been given. And, uh, and we see with this, this individual, there was a change to his name of just one letter from Saul to Paul. And uh, so Saul means desired. So if you have the name Saul, which is not a common name, uh, not nearly as common as Paul, but uh, Saul means desired, whereas Paul means small or little. So his, his name went from meaning or being desired 
to small or little. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, verse 9, there's, it's the first mention of Paul, who was significant in the, the New Testament. And in fact, uh, depending on whether you believe that, that uh, Hebrews was written by Paul, I believe it was, some would say no, because the style is not similar to the way he wrote other letters. Uh, so they would say it wasn't Paul. I, I like to say it was Paul because uh, there's such a, a, a it's, it's very systematic in the, the overview of the, the, the book of Hebrews. It's just well laid out, and, um, and it's about Jesus and what he did for us and how it impacts us. Three parts to it. Um, but the first mention of Paul is in Acts chapter 13, verse 9. And it said, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Now, this, this in this particular passage, uh, there's other things happening. But it's the first mention of Paul. Because before that, he's called Saul. And uh, John the Baptist, he, he, he talks about the fact that Jesus must increase. He must increase. I must decrease. And here we see this thing of, in this name change, going from desired. Then the desired one, who is also called little or small, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at this individual, um, and then it carries on. But here we have this picture of perhaps a huge change in the man. And in fact, we do see that this man was changed significantly. And so I, I want to look back, uh, and I, I just want to say today uh, to you, all of you, you may think, do I really have opportunity to influence others? Can I be a godly influence on others? And I really want to take a look at Saul, Paul. I want to look at this man. And I want you to know if Saul could be used by God, how much more can we? Because of his past, you say, well, you know what? I've come from an, an extreme past, and so how can God use me? And yet, as we look through this, we will see how much God used Paul. So I, I want to just pull a few things. Uh, a number of this is, a number of these passages are Paul's own estimation and, uh, of himself, and he's, so he's the one that's speaking in these passages and saying, this is who I was. This is who I was. And just try to compare yourself. And, 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 and oftentimes we do that automatically. We say, when it comes to the negatives, we say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not that bad. There's no, um, no, that person is much worse than I am. And usually when it comes to the things that... Uh, the accomplishments of somebody else, we'd say, well, you know, I couldn't do that. There's no way I can do that. So we try to 
minimize the negatives, and we, we also minimize the, the potential that we have with God and full of the Holy Spirit, what can be done. So just a few things. Acts 26 from verse 4, uh, there's then a, an overview by Paul of who he was. So, and this is, so let me read quickly. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. You Jews, you know me. You know me even from my life, from, from being a youth, uh, a, a child, a teenager, a young, a young man. They knew me from the first. If they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Now, you might say, well, who is Paul talking to right now? Paul is talking to King Agrippa. So he's the, the king over the Jews. And yes, the Romans are in, in authority. The Romans, they wouldn't, they wouldn't take people out of their country. They would just uh, come in, take, take over or conquer the land, and they would leave the king in place or whatever as a sort of like a puppet. We'll leave you in place as long as you, uh, you know that we are the authority here. And so King Agrippa was uh, over, overseeing the Jews as king. And uh, so here Paul is talking to King Agrippa. And this is just before he would be heading to uh, Rome to, to have audience with Caesar. He says, I, I, I appeal to Caesar because the Jews wanted to kill him. So the last number of, of chapters... Uh, starting, I think, around chapter 21, 22 of the book of Acts, is Paul then uh, being at a point of, of being killed by the Jews because of what he's saying. And then it goes right on, right to the very last chapter, is about Paul heading off to Rome. So here he is in chapter 26, talking to King Agrippa. In verse 6, it says, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. So I'm being judged as I talk about Jesus. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? So he was talking about Jesus' death and resurrection and he's saying, why would you think that God couldn't raise somebody from the dead? Indeed, I myself thought, now this is now, once again, his, his own, it's evalu his evaluation of himself, and even the, to the point of what he thought. He says, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary or against or contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I was responsible for people that follow Jesus being shut up in prison, being put into prison, even to the point of them being put to death 
And Paul was, was basically, he's basically saying, I cast my vote against them, as in, I was responsible for their death. So I, I want you to get a background of who Saul was, who Paul was. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and I compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to the foreign cities. He chased after them. Say, can God use a person like this? Can God use a person like this? And we would say of ourselves, we'd ask of ourselves, can God, can you really use me? And if, if we examine ourselves and we look back at, at maybe who we are or were and the things that we've done in the past, we say, well, can God really use me? This man was responsible for people going to prison because they were followers of Jesus. He was responsible for them being killed. And he cast their vote. This, hey, should this, these people be killed? Yep, they should be killed. He punished them. And he, he compelled them to blaspheme. He persecuted them, persecuted them even to foreign cities. Addressing this Jewish mob in Jerusalem, he also gives an account. This is going back a few chapters to Acts chapter 22. And this is sort of how things got started. And uh, so he's, he's given that, an account to those that are coming against him. In Jerusalem. He says, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, 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 taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. So he was uh, taught or brought up at the feet of this, this great and celebrated Pharisee and doctor of the law. And basically would give this man, would give worldly advice in the Sanhedrin. And uh, also when it came to, to Paul, uh, he, he influenced Paul. Very much so. Um, and was, he was an authority, this Gamaliel. Gamaliel was an authority, a Jewish um, Pharisee, very high, high up, was very influential. And um, verse 4, Acts 22, 4, he says, I persecuted this way to the death. So... He was against, again, those that followed the way. The way were those, or those that followed Jesus. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders, for whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there, to in, uh, there to Jerusalem to be punished. So he had the authority, he had letters saying that he could uh, basically persecute uh, anybody that was of the way or followers of Jesus. Going to Galatians chapter 1, again, he's writing about himself, where he came from. This is where I was. And I, I know that the Holy Spirit 
inspired Paul to write all the different letters that he wrote and all the different things he, he wrote. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you would say, well, Lord, why would, you, why would you have these things? Why would Paul share of where he had come from, what kind of person he was? And I think, and I, in fact, it's not just think. I know that it's to encourage each one of us because oftentimes the enemy comes to us, Satan would come to us and say, well, you know what? Really, can you be used by God? Because look at all the things that you've done. Look at, look at your background. Look at, at the, the sin and, and the, the things that the, there's, a, there's a condemning of the enemy against us. And oftentimes we'll grab a hold of these things and say, yeah, who am I and what can I do? to influence others. How can, I, how can I be anyone to touch other people's lives? Today, I want you to know that God desires to not just work on you, but he wants to work through you. We sang earlier, or the scripture in John 7, about there being rivers of living water flowing through us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit desires to flow through us to have impact in other people's lives. We say, yes, Lord. The enemy would say, well, no, 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 you did these things. And just look at you. And he might even bring up current things that we're maybe struggling with or whatever. Say, well, look at this. How can God use you? Yet here we have another account in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. From verse 11. It's rather lengthy. Uh, once again, Paul writing of himself. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're going to read of that shortly in Acts chapter 9. We're going to read of that. There's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Each one of you, as you've given your life to the Lord, if you, as you've given your life to Jesus, there is a revelation of Jesus Christ to the point where you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And Jesus, what, you died for me? There's an acknowledging of Jesus Christ dying for you. And there's an acknowledgement of him being raised from the dead. There's an acknowledgement or an acceptance of Jesus into your life. Lord, come into my life. There was a revelation of Jesus to you. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism. So let me just tell you about who I was before, my former conduct, what I did before as, a, as this, this man that was going by the law, the things of the Jews, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. And so he, he saying, I went up in rank because of my zealousness. So Paul was, was a man of, of authority um, when it came to religious things, to the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. 
Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. After I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only, this is what they heard about me, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Basically, I think sometimes we, we hear of somebody that their life has been transformed. They've been saved, and there, there's been a transformation of life. And because of their past, you say, oh, thank you, Lord. This person was once in darkness and, and you know, serving the God of this world and now is serving Jesus Christ. And they glorified God in me because of what God was doing in my life. So I read these passages only to say, to say that don't let your past and maybe you're being apart from God, keep you at a place where you're, you're saying, what can I do for him? Can I really serve God? Like, look at my past. And look, look, even as we examine ourselves, we would say, I'm, I haven't arrived yet. And Paul is, is saying, that's where I'm at. I, I haven't apprehended yet, but I press on. I haven't arrived yet. I'm not perfect yet. And there's this aspect of Paul being small, little. But man, did God use this man. 2,000 years later, we are still impacted by the letters that he wrote under the inspiration and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How could this man change so much? How can one man impact his world even to this day. So, we recognize we can impact for the, for the positive or negative. And we see that. We see people impacting this world because of the extreme negative and ungodliness, the fact that, hey, I'm doing things contrary to God. But God can change even a person like that like Saul, he can change them. All right, let's take a quick look at uh, how this all happened. How did this happen? Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So that's Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And yes, that is the same Damascus that is today. So he was heading to this city of Damascus in Syria. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting it is hard for you to kick against the goads. I say, what's a goad? 
basically a goat is something that you would prod somebody, uh, an animal to move forward with. You, there's a goading to goad, to, to have them move forward. So it's hard when you're kicking against something that would be used to, to poke. You're kicking against the goad. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So here's a revelation. There's a bright light shining. And here is Saul, even as he's knocked off of his, his horse, onto the ground by this, this light, and then the voice speaking to him and saying, why are you persecuting why are you persecuting me? And who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now listen, if you want to impact your world for good, number one, make sure you're on the right team. All right? Make sure that you're on the right team. And here, Paul or Saul he thinks he's on the right team, but he's on the wrong team. And so he is basically fighting against Jesus Christ, the one that has received all power and authority, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lamb of God, seated at the right hand of the Father. He is, Saul is fighting against God himself. And he recognizes in one split moment of time, as he has an encounter with God, he recognizes, I'm on the wrong side. I'm on the wrong side. The people that I was persecuting and, and, and even to the point of death, uh, I'm fighting against the one that they're following. I'm on the wrong side. It's amazing how quickly... There's a transformation that takes place in Saul with this one encounter with God. And one of the things that I would say to you, that you would come to the Lord, say, Lord, hey, reveal yourself to me. I need to know you. I need to have you speak into my life. Lord, what would you have or what would you want me to do? That there would be a coming to the Lord as a, as a child of God to say, Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want to do in my life? Then the Lord said to him, instruction is given. And I, and I, I just, before I, I read this next, the next few verses, if you want to be used by God to influence other people, submit to the Lordship of Jesus in your life. Let Jesus be your Lord. Who are you, Lord? Lord, I'm putting you first in my life. As we put the Lord first in our life, it is at that point where we get past, see, if Jesus is not Lord, there is, there is always something seated on the throne of our life. So if it's not the Lord Jesus Christ, there is something else that is seated on the throne of your life that you are submitted to. And it may even be yourself. I'm submitted to no one else. I sit on the throne of my life 
and I've got it all together because I'm in charge. No one's going to tell me what to do. I've got my plans. I've got my goals. I've got a vision, and I'm going to accomplish it, and there's going to be no one that can stop me. I don't know how that's working out for you. If that's where we're at, how is it working out when we're Lord in our lives? And here, as, as Paul submits to the Lord, immediately the Lord begins to speak direction into his life. We're talking some pretty significant details that are, are very, the details are very detailed. Because Jesus is Lord in one moment of time, and, he, and you know what? He could have continued to say, you know what? I don't care if you knock me off the horse. I don't care. I'm going to continue to do what I want to do. That we have a choice of. Paul makes, Saul makes the right choice. And it's almost like, what? God, you would desire me? Lord, you know my past. You know the things I did. And, and Saul is saying, Yes, Lord. And he's recognizing the lordship of Jesus Christ. And as we recognize the lordship and we make him lord in our lives, it's at that point that he can begin to speak to us. Because otherwise, we're in charge. I'm in charge. The Lord is trying to get our attention or he's, he's, things are happening in our lives. And it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe these things are happening. And they're extreme. The Lord is saying, man, I want to be lord in your life. And I want to speak into your life because I have things for you. Because you are desired of me. Saul, you are desired of me. I desire you, Saul. It's interesting. We don't ever have any problems with, or Paul having a problem with the, the, the change of his name from desired to small or little. There's no, there's no I, we don't know exactly why or how that change took place. We just have in up until Acts chapter 13, Paul is called Saul. And then it's, it switches. In one verse, it switches from Saul, also called Paul. And Saul doesn't have a problem with it. Because really, when you think about it, Saul is a much cooler name. Desired. Hey, I'm desired. Paul is saying, no. I have no problem being little. Jesus is Lord in my life. There's a surrender, and immediately the Lord begins to speak. And he said, because he's saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Can you imagine? There's this encounter with God and immediately there's this, he's blind, he can't see. He's blinded. There's, I think, an old 70s song, Blinded by the Light. He was blinded by the light of who... Jesus is, to the point where he had to be led. Can you imagine? I'm sure maybe part of it was, Lord, will I be able to see? Am I going to be able to see again? But he, they took him by the hand. They brought him into Damascus. 
And there he was, three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. At that point, he didn't try to run. He, we don't hear about him complaining about the fact that he can't see. It's like, I'm going to keep my focus there on Jesus Christ, even though I can't see. I can't see physically. My focus is on Jesus Christ. Let me just say this. <laughs> when you can't see, when you can't see, keep your focus on Jesus Christ. When you don't know the details of how things are going to work out, for goodness sake, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on him. And he will get you through. He will get you through. All right. So far we've been talking about Saul or Paul. I want to switch now to the next individual, Ananias. Ananias. And we're talking about being a godly influence on others. To be a, an influence on others for good. To speak things into a person's life. To minister to others. You and I can do that as we are empowered by God, as we surrender to God. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. God calls our name. Here I am, Lord. What do you want to say to me? And so God spoke to him in a vision. Now I want you to, when God comes to you with dreams and visions, Lord, here I am. And the Lord begins, will begin to speak into your life. There's times where the Lord is getting your attention. This situation is pretty negative from Saul's point of view. The guy's blind. I don't know about you, but it'd be kind of scary to go from seeing and then not being able to see. I had this encounter with one of my nephews years ago, 20 years ago. I, I was there. And in one moment of time, went from my, my nephew, 12 years of age, we were at the car show in Toronto, and there's like thousands upon thousands of people, and there's, they're all over the place. And all of a sudden, I, I hear this voice. I didn't know where my nephew was at that point. We were looking at different vehicles and whatever, and so... Some of us got distracted from one car to the next, and you know, so we, we were sort of split up a little bit. But all of a sudden, I hear this, uh, I think it was the calling of my name, Uncle Dave. And I'm looking around, Uncle Dave, Uncle Dave. And I, I, I was like, hey, someone's calling my name. I look, and there's, there's my nephew, and he can't see. Literally, he can't see. I don't know what, what his blood sugar or whatever 
think it was his blood sugar was so low or whatever. Anyways, he can't see. He's blind. And there was this responding of, of fear. We, I thank God that in this situation, yeah, I think there was just eating something and having something to drink and, and the sight came back. But can you imagine not being able to see? And I recognize that in this situation that God can use you to minister to somebody that is maybe blind. They're blinded. They don't know. They're frantic. And I, there, was, there was this, this, this fear, this, this, this frantic uh, uh, agitation and, and behavior of my nephew because he couldn't see. And just being able to go to, to him, say, hey, I'm here, not realizing at the moment what's really going on. And I could see it in his face as I got closer. I could see he can't even see me. I'm right in front of him. He can't see me. Or I'm coming towards him. He can't see me. Yeah, that's frightening. But there's opportunity for, for there to be a working on somebody's life from either side, whether you're in the situation where you can't see or whether you, you are that person recognizing this person is in a fearful position and we can speak things into their life. And here, let me just say this. Recognizing that Ananias, at that point, could, we'll see that he could have shut things down. So let's just read on. So, so there's a calling. The Lord said to Ananias in a vision, Ananias, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Lord, here's where he could have shut it down. I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias is giving argument of why he really shouldn't go or this is what I've heard about this guy. Really, Lord, I'm, I'm, I don't really want to have too much to do with this individual. When we look at it from, from where God is at, it's amazing that God is saying, I want to use this man. And the things that I'm telling you, I'm revealing things to Paul or Saul that there is going to be a man by the name of Ananias that will come to you. It's amazing how God, as somebody for somebody as extreme as Paul or Saul was, to say, I can use that man. And I want you to know, and I, I thank God for 14 years of behavior, being a, in, in a behavioral class, not as a student, but as a teacher, I thank God for those 14 years to see the change that can take place in a person if you, as you spend time and you don't cut them off. Because we, we have a very quick evaluation of somebody, and sometimes it's just, I don't like their look. I don't like their mannerisms. I don't like their pride. I don't like this. I don't like that about them. And you cut, and we cut them off. And God is saying, but no, 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 I died for that individual. I died for Saul. 
and I want to use him mightily. In fact, I want to work, I want to work through you to minister to this individual. I thank God for the, the, the thing of seeing people, children's lives, young, you know, kids, early teens, lives uh, changed just because you might say, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to care for this individual. How much more when it comes to the things of the Lord, to minister the things of the Lord into somebody's life, to be a godly influence. So here, the Lord, he's having this, or Ananias is having this discussion with the Lord as even in this vision. And the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Yeah, there's, it's not going to be an easy life, but man, he, he will influence and, and even speak to kings and to Gentiles. In fact, by, before the end of, before the last or the last number of chapters in Acts, we, we see him talking to kings already. Talking to high leaders, the governor, Festus and Felix. These Roman uh, procurates or whatever they are, proconsuls that were in place in that area in Jerusalem and uh, of high rank overseeing all of Jerusalem and, and uh, Paul having opportunity to speak to them. The Lord's estimation is maybe different than our estimation. Don't judge a person by their past. Don't judge a person by, because of what they might be caught up in. The Lord loves them. And the Lord can use them. He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name. Hallelujah. We are a chosen vessel of the Lord to bear Christ's name before others. There might be suffering in being used by the Lord. It may, there might be hard times but it can impact those around us. It can impact many, perhaps, from the least to the greatest. We can have influence on, on others. There's something about this word vessel. A vessel, this is a vessel. This vessel was filled, or almost filled. And um, vessels need not to be empty, but full. The thing about a vessel is there's, there's a filling to ministry, to minister. You know, what good is a, a vessel that would have a hole in it that is, can't keep anything? But definitely that a vessel would be used to minister to others. A chosen vessel of mine. Vessels need to be filled. So go, speak, minister the things of the Lord into other people's lives. We need to do that. I've been reading <clears throat> for the last, this past year, and especially the last number of months, 1 Peter 4, verse 10 and 11. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one of us, we've been filled. Minute to minister, we've been filled. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen.
just like this, this glass is a container for ice cold water. There's a ministry that takes place. It's like, thank you, Lord, for the ministry of this glass and its contents, even to me at this point in time. Like I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm sure you are too, and it's not good for me to do that in front of you. But anyways, <coughs> the Lord wants to minister through us. Acts 9, verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, if you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul, Saul was already at a place of salvation. Recognizing, he said, I had a revelation of Jesus there's a revelation of Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had a revelation. He recognized the one that he persecuted. He knew who Jesus was, and he was persecuting the ones that followed Jesus. And here we see that this man is ministering now to others. It's like the Lord can use us. The Lord can use us. And so here, Paul, as Ananias is laying hands on him, not just for healing to see physically, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two things, Lord, give sight, give direction, give vision. That we would have sight, we would have direction, we would have vision. That we would start to see God's will for us. God, what is it that you have for my life? Reveal it to me. Reveal it to me. The enemy wants to steal the things of God from you. But God, his heart is, I want to fill or have my will for your life accomplished. And it is good. The will of God for our lives is good. Always. The things of the enemy, at best, at best, he's a liar. To believe the lies of the enemy. Here, have this. Why? Because I want to steal from you. I want to kill you. I want to destroy you for eternity. The plans of Satan, at best, he's a liar, that we might believe his lies. Oh, this is what Satan can offer me. At best, we believe his lies, but he is there to steal from us where God says, I want to give you life. I want to give you my will. Let my will be done in your life to see. And secondly, here for Paul or Saul, that he is filled with the Holy Spirit power to be a witness, rivers of living water flowing through us. Can you imagine? I'm just like this, such a simple thing, just a little bit of water. When it comes to not having water, yeah, we can't go too long without having water. The thing of, of sustenance, of sustaining of life, it's like, oh, this is so, so good. 
It is so good. Thanks, Mom, for getting me some water. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water flowing from us. Let me just read again, as I did earlier, uh, from John chapter 7, verse 37. John 7, 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Man, to drink from the Lord. Come to the Lord and let him drink. If any man thirsts, when it comes to the things of life, come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So not just to receive, but that there would be a f an outflow of rivers of living water, the spirit of God flowing from us. Anybody that says... Ah, you don't, you don't need the Spirit of God. Or I have the Holy Spirit. I've, I have, the, the, as we are saved, it says we, we receive the Spirit of God, but the fullness of the Spirit, the Spirit without measure. Lord, let there be a, a pouring from me continually of life. Rivers of living water flowing from me. Let me just continue to read. So out of his, his heart, as Jesus said, as the scriptures say, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had not yet gone up to be on the right hand of the Father, raised up. It was after he, he was raised and he was, it says, in Acts 2 verse, I think, 33, it talks about this which you hear and see. There's, there's this is a promise of the Father. It's, it's being poured out, that which you see and hear, this thing of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit overflowing in our lives to bring life to others. Man, was that a reality for Paul? And it's still to this day, 2,000 years later. Hallelujah. Expect... What God wants to do in your life, through you, expect for that ministry to bring results in other people's lives. So Ananias, he was obedient to the Lord. He laid hands. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Expect your ministry to bring results. In verse 18, it says, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received, Paul or Saul received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So here he is being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's, see, he's seeing, and now he's going on to make a public declaration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in water baptism. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So this thing of being baptized, there was a confession of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. He met up with other believers, other disciples at Damascus. There was a, a strengthening. He received fellowship, food, fellowship, encouragement. There's a, a bit of speaking into Saul's life. 
In verse 20, it says, Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? Isn't, this, isn't that the same guy? All I can say is, and I, this for me, when I see the growth in your life as a, as a pastor, there's a rejoicing, there's an enjoyment of that growth that's taking place in your life as you are surrendered and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You're filled as you just allow, Lord, fill me with your spirit. And there's a growth that takes place in your life. Thank you, Lord. Enjoy the growth in others. And finally, let's be used by the Lord in these last days. It says in verse 22, it says, But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. People knew or had heard of Jesus, but they didn't know that he was the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. They were, well, where's the Messiah? And here he proved, proving that Jesus was the Messiah, the one that they were waiting for. So he increased in strength and, was, and confounded the Jews, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Let's be used by the Lord in these last days. Can we stand together? I don't know where you might be at when it comes to being used by the Lord. Is your heart a desire to be used by the Lord? Because the Lord wants to use you regardless of your past, regardless of where you may have come from, regardless of the things that you are still struggling with maybe in your life. You say, well, can God really use me? And God is saying, absolutely. And there are so many that need to, to be ministered to, to minister the gospel to them, to allow rivers of living water to flow through you, even as you would speak of Jesus to others. And I like the fact that Jesus desires to use us. Really. Jesus could just very easily speak a word, and all of those that should follow Jesus by just one word, would follow Jesus. And all those that would not follow Jesus, hey, get rid of them. Yet even 2,000 years ago, when Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people, and when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. When I, when I would pray for, to the Lord of the harvest, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, to send forth laborers, Jesus, there needs to be more laborers in the harvest. I'm praying to you, the Lord of the harvest, to send forth laborers into your harvest, but don't send me. It's kind of hard to be praying, Lord, there needs to be more workers or laborers in the harvest, 
you've got to let, use me. Use me in these last days. That there would be a reaching out to others. That we would say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease and to proclaim that the kingdom of God was at hand. So Lord desires to work through every single one of us. Lord, use me. There is such a harvest out there. There is a ministering that needs to be done amongst one another. Pray for, for, for your brother and sister here. Pray for your brothers and sisters, wherever they may be. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, let there be a work done in their lives. Encourage them. Strengthen. This morning we were praying. We, we prayed for our brothers and sisters. We prayed for you. We prayed for those that were, were struggling Lord, those that are struggling, those are struggling with temptations, those that are struggling with, with sin, those that are not just the sin of commission, but the sin of omission, not just doing things that we shouldn't do or not, not doing things that, we, that we're doing, that we shouldn't do them, but also doing things that we should do because there's sin of omission as in we omit to do something that we should, Lord, Forgive us for not doing what we should do. We're praying that this morning. Lord, use us. Use us. So, that there would be a hearing of God's calling your name. Here am I. Lord, let me be a godly influence on other people's lives. If there's anybody here tonight and maybe you're not where you should be at, and maybe you've got others, I don't want to say fooled, but there are things maybe that are hidden or secret in your life and you're just recognizing, man, I know this isn't right. As you humble yourself before the Lord, you recognize there's a, an admittance, just as, as Saul, he recognized right away he was on doing the wrong things. He was on the wrong side. And there is an admitting of this. There's this coming and just, hey, Lord, what would you have me do? What do you want me to do, Lord? Man, I've been doing the wrong things. Maybe that's you in your life, just realizing, man, I have been so caught up with myself. I've been so caught up with, with the things that are, are in my life and, and, and overwhelming me. And, and it's, it's, it's about, like, I don't know if I can get through this. As you surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus, I give myself completely to you. Even as you would compare yourself with Saul, you'd recognize very quickly, man, <laughs> I'm a lot better than Paul, Paul was. You recognize, man, I'm, I'm struggling and I'm bound, so forgive me. So tonight, if that's you, it's a confession. You don't need to confess to me, but that you would confess to Jesus, Lord, that's where I'm at. I'm not in the right place, and I need to get on the right, right side of who you are. I need to work not against you, not for myself, but, Lord, I need to do what you would have me do so I can have life, that I can have life 
and that others can have life as your spirit flows through me. Let me be that person to bring life to those around me. Give me life. So, Lord, I just pray right now, if, if there be anybody here tonight, they're in that place, and they know, man, life is being sucked from them. There's all hell breaking loose, and you just, man, it's not a good place to be. Lord, that as we humble ourselves before you, Lord, you are able to make a change in us. Lord, not just for our sake, not just to give us life, but to have life flowing through us. Lord, one of the most exciting things is to see the impact that we can have on others for good. Lord, to bring them life. As your word says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news, that bring the gospel. Lord, we would bring life to others, rivers of living water flowing through us. Lord, I pray right now, even as there might be a a confession tonight, Lord, uh, and admitting, Lord, I am not in the right place. Lord, you forgive. And right now, you will bring life. You will bring cleansing by your, your blood, even as there's a confession of perhaps sin, of, of, of self, and of, of just being, it's all about me, what I want or need, or uh, it's got to be, Lord, even there's a confession, Lord, that there will be a setting free, a cleansing, a washing, and a giving of life. Lord, I pray, let our vessels, the vessels of who we are, be filled to overflowing, bringing life to others. Lord, work through us. Lord, we rebuke the liar that would lie to us, that it would whisper things into our ears, into our thoughts, into our mind, that that we would even consider those things and act on them. Lord, I rebuke and bind every lying spirit right now. And Lord, every foul spirit that would bind and control, I cast out right now in Jesus' name. Let there be a setting free right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, let there be life coming to each and every one of us, Lord, full of your spirit, full of life, ministering, Lord, to others. Lord, use us. In Jesus' name, I just thank you and I praise you, Lord, for your consideration, not just considering of us, but Lord, to say, man, I want, I'm calling you by name. I want to work on and through you. Let it be. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone says, amen. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at LighthouseNiagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.